Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morency. We're tracking the NBA trade deadline. Looks like DeLon Wright has got the party started. Um, you know, half the people tuning into the show right now don't know who DeLon Wright is. Um, you got traded for Corey Joseph. <laughs> DeLon Wright's actually not a bad player. Uh, but, you know, he's one of those guys come off the bench, backup. He's, he's a good backup. He's going to make like $100 million in his life, and no one will ever know who the hell he is. Uh, not, not a bad life. So we'll keep our eye on the NBA trade deadline. We'll check in with Woj and uh, with Shams throughout the uh, the evening on their Twitter accounts just to see if we can miss anything live uh, going on. Pete Annapolis is going to join us a little bit later on. We'll talk uh, NBA trade deadline. We'll talk this MVP chase, too. The MVP odds are crazy, guys, how they've been fluctuating all over the place, from LeBron to Joel Embiid to this guy and that guy. Nikolai Jokic is now the favorite uh, to win the most valuable player. Uh, we got Ian Cameron uh, with us, a.k.a. Babano. I want to get into the Sweet 16 uh, with Babano. And you know what? We got about two minutes before our break right now, but let's just uh, jump right in. Why not? The Beavers and the Ramblers. This is the first game up, uh, 240 um, on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon. They want to get this game out of the way. <laughs> so it's the first game up. The number hasn't moved, Abano. It's just sitting at six and a half. Total 125 and a half right now. Do you have a strong opinion on this game on one side or the other? Loyola Chicago is the better team. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And, and I think they're going to win the game. But do you really want to get in front of this ridiculous train that Oregon State's been riding lately? I mean, and it's, you know, what's one thing to beat Tennessee. I kind of expected they were live in that game against the Volunteers, knowing how much they struggle offensively. Fulkerson didn't play. He was one of their better players. And Rick Barnes in March is a difficult coach to trust. And it played out to perfection that way. But to see Oregon State basically start to finish, you know, their defense has come a long way from November when they were pitiful at that end of the court to where it is now. And to see them really put the clamps down on an excellent offensive team like Oklahoma State uh, in that win over the weekend, you know, you got to give them credit. And Wayne Tinkle a lot of credit from a coaching standpoint. Ethan uh, Thompson's right, playing great. Now. They've got this. They'll hit this on the other side. But oh, you're right. Take a listen. I'm a big Tinkle fan. Who doesn't like a good tinkle? Um, they're hot. It's not just all they're hot from this weekend. They've been hot for like two and a half, three weeks now. Bring it. Come on. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? <laughs> you do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Dot com. 
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Yeah, I'd like to bet a hundred bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Rexy. Throwing it down. We're at the level two. All right, we've done a great job mixing it up. Quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio, but we've talked golf. Uh, we've had some laughs. Uh, Babano uh, broke glass by shrieking. Uh, I think he was trying to do Mick Jagger or something, something of the sort. Uh, we're tracking the NBA uh, trade uh, deadline uh, right now. Uh, Delon Wright's been traded, but there's nothing you know really blockbuster that's gone uh, gone down yet. And it's actually all pretty quiet, to be honest. It's not a whole hell of a lot uh, surprisingly going on uh, right now. Uh, like, you know, listen, Kyle Lowry's the big story, but when Kyle Lowry's the biggest story of the NBA right now, you know, you sort of know, all right, like, what kind of market do we really have here? All right, so let's get back to college basketball. So Babano kicking with us. And uh, Babano, as we were saying, and I brought, I made this point, as you stated, uh, listen, one thing with the Beavers, and they fly, they fly under the radar. They play late at night. They're not even a sexy Pac-12 team, and a Pac-12 flies under the radar. They were picked to finish dead last in the conference by the Pac-12 media, etc. But, dude, like they're they're eight and two straight up in their last ten games. They're eight and one straight up in their last nine games. And you know, I think some people sort of look at the Beavers, Babano, and think, well. They got here by sort of, I don't know, like Locke or the Cinderella story. They actually won both games pretty convincingly, by double digits, actually. They beat Tennessee by 14. They beat Oklahoma State by 10. The week before that, they go into Las Vegas, and they win that tournament. So it's not like a one-off of battle. You know what I mean? It's been like two weeks, three weeks of success. They're healthier right now. They had covid their schedule, they, they lost games, uh, like they had games canceled. So they're actually much more of a unit now. And, you know, I was seeing Tinkle was talking about it, just about how, you know, since they've been together over the last month, like they basically improve every day. And that's the thing. And I heard somebody say that, uh, one of the announcers, one of the analysts say that during uh, the, the one of the games, said, you know, you're allowed to improve during the tournament. Everybody talks about these teams with Bannon, but what happened in the regular season. Teams do get better by the day sometimes, and this Beaver team's a classic example of that. 39 of 128. That's what Tennessee and Oklahoma State combined to shoot against Oregon State. 39 of 128. I mean, this team defensively is where it's at. And how about a plus 38 edge on the glass in the two games combined? The rebounding. Alatiche. He's a young freshman. He's a big guy, and he is just eating up all the loose bas- uh, loose balls in the paint area right now for Oregon State. He's cleaning up the glass. They're shooting the ball much better. Ethan Thompson's got other guys helping him out scoring. They're playing defense. Look, I think Loyola with Crutwig down low, Lucas Williamson, it is a really, really good basketball team that can match Oregon State every bit defensively. And I think when push comes to shove, they're better. But I'm not ready to lay seven with better. It, with Loyola Chicago in this game, 
it's, it's going to be yeah. a lean Oregon State, but uh, I don't like going against my opinion of who's going to win the game straight up. And to me, I think Loyola will find a way to advance. You know, Babano, everybody talks about Loyola and these unders, and, oh, it's going to be an under, it's going to be an under. Well, you know what? So, yeah, it was 71-58. So they got to 129 against Illinois. It did go under the 132. When they played Georgia Tech, they got to 131. When they played against Drake in their conference championship, they got to 140. Um, you know, when they played against Southern Illinois, same thing, goes over the number. Like, they, you know, like Loyola, Chicago aren't this under machine that people make them out to be. They're 13 and 15 to the under on the season. The Beavers are 18 and 12 to the over. Any opinion on this total? Because I think the total is too light here. Yeah, I would lean over a little bit. I mean, let's not forget the Illinois-Loyola-Chicago game. It barely stayed under, and Illinois had the worst shooting game collectively of the season, and Iowa exactly. assumed it was the worst game of the season. He had more turnovers than points in the game, which tells you all you need to know. Uh, I think with this total, 125 could be a close game. You get scramble points in the final minute. If a team's down, they're going to foul, and they might foul and foul and foul some more. We're talking Sweet 16 and a chance to go to the Elite Eight. So 125, I understand it's there because you've got two just rock-solid stout defensive teams right now, but I do lean over. It might just creep over that number. Beavers are 18-12 and 12 to the over on the season. Interesting, the Beavers now 5-0 and 0 on neutral courts this year. Uh, Loyola, uh, Chicago is 5-1 uh, and one on neutral courts uh, this year. All right, Babano, so, you know, it's a tough, this is a tough game. This doesn't, you know, this isn't one like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to bet, like, oh, I'm hitting this or that, but I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to sweat it out and just creep out the over here with late free throws, and it gets it gets over the number. Or like you said, I agree with you, man, like the stakes are so high, but also they could choke. You'd be like, oh, my God, it's such a big game, it's the weekend, and you know, whatever. But um, I lean with the over, and I am intrigued by the Beavers, but I, I don't love this game, but I do lean with the over. Villanova and Baylor, I, I do like one this thing, game, Babano. Yeah. I got to say one thing, too. I love this format. For years that I've been watching the tournament, and you as well, Gabe, we're used to the regional semifinals, the Sweet 16 round being four games on Thursday night, four games on Friday night, and two of the games are going on at the same time, simultaneously. This weekend, not the case. Saturday, you're going to have standalone four games, one after the other, after another, after another, quadruple headers, both on Saturday and Sunday, and every game is standalone. Uh, on its own with not another game going on at the same time. I love it. Well, you know what's weird, Babano? And, you know, I roll with the punches. Um, I roll with the punches. I don't know. It's one of these deals, Babano, where you complain either way. And I know I do, where it's like, um, like the other day, I'm like, you know, we waited all day for this. Like last weekend or the March Madness, um, like they, they had a game at 2 o'clock only. And then they had another one at 5, sort of like this schedule. But then at 6, they had one. Then at 6.20, they had one. At 6.40, they had one. It's like, come on, guys. Like, why don't you just space it out more? But then when they space it out, I bitch. Oh, I miss the old days when they were all going on at the same time. But, man, like, you know what I mean? We bitch no matter what. But, yeah, um, it's a personal I hear, preference no, it's a, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a good day. It's a good day. Look, first game at 2.40. Last game starts 9.55. So, in other words... From 2, 2.40 in the afternoon to about 1 in the morning is basketball, but man, you can't complain about that. And it's been good basketball. It's been a fun yeah, time. Yeah, and a chance to go uh, to the Elite Eight. You can't get better. Yeah. But you know what's weird is they're going to be playing the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday. So, like, before they would take the week off again. They're not. 
right? So it continues yeah. on Monday and Tuesday, and then they take four days, three days off for the weekend, and then the final four. So it's like a weird. So we're gonna have basketball, yeah. guys. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, Monday, Tuesday. So like we're we're sort of going in for for the hall here. Um, all right, so. Um, Villanova and Baylor. Been a little bit of line movement here, but bad. Just a half a point, but it's up to seven. I agree with the move. Listen, it's one thing to beat Winthrop. It's one thing to beat North Texas. It's another thing to beat Baylor, bro. Baylor going to run these guys off the floor. I think so, too. But, man, and you just proved it right now. I haven't talked to anybody that doesn't like Baylor here in this game. And I like Baylor. Uh, and it seems like everybody does. Um but I got to look that way. I mean, I cast with Baylor against Wisconsin. I thought that was going to be the end of the road for Wisconsin. Look, Baylor, their COVID issues are behind them now. I know the first couple games, they didn't look like Baylor, especially defensively. You know, they were having some games there. They're giving up 80 points to West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Uh, they have locked it in again defensively. They got it back in the win against Wisconsin. Uh, they played well in destroying Hartford in the first game. They're getting back to that defensive efficiency they had early in the season. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy O.T. This Matt Meyer kid has stepped up and played really well for them, especially in the win against Wisconsin, too. They're playing defense. And this is the game we're calling Gillespie's absence. The backcourt with Moore, he's played well. They've survived without him so far. This is where you need firepower from your backcourt to go up against a team like Baylor. This is where they feel it, I think, without him on the floor. Gillespie, unlike them, they got by Winthrop. They got by uh, the you know, North Texas, a very weak offensive team without him. Baylor's probably going to be uh, too much for them to overcome. Relax. You don't have to actually play these sports. Just know about them. Keep it here. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to a different kind. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock. No. Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Ridge. I am Gable Ramsey. Kicking it with uh, Ian Cameron, A.K. Babano, who's got great insight to the games, but is the worst person and the worst guest in the history of uh, sports talk radio, of uh, not understanding when we when when a break is incurring, <laughs> like not 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 quite getting. The best is Babano. I don't understand. We have guests actually, like Matthias, yeah, producer in L.A. You can att- attest to this. Remember the other night. Like, I, we're rocking, and Paul Bovey goes, yeah, you know about the Knicks? And Paul goes, oh, wait, wait, music's playing. Uh, I'll get it on the other side of the break. 
we've got guys that like, you know, sometimes have better extras than us. I just yelled at Babano, 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 the music, stop talking. Kept talking right through. Like, I think. <laughs> I could barely hear the music. That's the issue. It's about my phone, maybe. Maybe it is, yeah. No, it's you. It's you. I just think you tune everything out, Babano, and you're deaf. I think there's, <laughs> that's it, but. You've got a good information, but... I'm locked into yeah, my expert analysis and just the great delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're complaining about Mike Johnson being on TV giving picks. Like, you don't, you don't understand. Like, you couldn't do a 10... Like, you don't understand the concept of, all right, you got 10 seconds. What's your opinion? Like, you don't... You know what I mean? Like, great insight. 10 great seconds insight, 10 minutes in my world, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pod... Podcasts were invented for people like you. <laughs> All right, so Babano's with us. <laughs> All right, so uh, well, listen, we only have uh, one more segment with you here. So I think Baylor's going to roll. I get it. Yeah. Eh, whatever. It's not that everyone likes it. They're a better team. So it's not like, you know, shocking. All right, yeah. this next one, though, this next one, I've been riding Oral Roberts, Babano, not just through this tournament, through the conference tournament as well. And I've been cashing with these guys' money lines. It's getting crazy and stuff. Everyone talks about how they're going to get tattooed here. They did play already this year. I don't know. I think they can hang, but the over 159 is attractive to me. What's your opinion on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at anything but Oral Bob. Uh, I was on the same team as well in the first two games, Ohio State and Florida. Now, a lot of that was anti-Ohio State. I thought they were not the greatest two-seed in the world. The defensive deficiencies, we saw it on display. Florida, to me, has not impressed me one bit all season. They've been inconsistent, up and down. And to me, Oral beating them is not a huge shock. I mean, everybody's going to think that way. I wasn't that shocked they beat Florida. Florida's an inconsistent team, in my opinion, not all that elite in my mind. This is going to be different because Arkansas has got it rolling. They've been a terrific team really dating back to mid-January. Late January is when Eric Musselman's team really turned it on. Moses Moody, Desi Sills, and company got it going. But they play the style and pace that Oral Roberts will welcome. A track meet up and down the floor. They're fine in that style. They're fine in that kind of pace. And the back door is always wide open for a team that can flat out shoot with the efficiency that Oral Roberts does getting this number of points. So I'm with you, underdog and over the total for me. It was crazy about these two teams have played. They played, they played this year. But they also played in 2017. The total was 154 in both games. Can't make that. I don't know. It's a bizarre world to me. December 19, 2017, total was 154. December 20th, 2020, <laughs> total 154. So interesting as well, Babano, isn't it? That they played, it was 87-76, and you have a number of 11 and a half here. And Arkansas beat them by 11. They get to uh, 163 when they played. As I just mentioned, uh, the total was 154 points. Yet Oral Roberts, Babano, had a 10-point lead at the half in this game. And I, I say, and I think you would agree with this, that Oral Roberts are a better team now than they were then by far. I mean, they're hot right now. It's just a different element and different dynamic uh, right now for them. And Arkansas, I think, are the same team as they were then, as they are now. They're good. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm not going to put it this way, like you said. I, ever, all of our guests, Babano, and not like handicappers, but sort of like media guys who are smart guys and, you know, the, the bracketologist and, but they're all just numbers and seeds guys and stuff all the time. They all think Arkansas is going to kill them. That it the party just crashes and comes to an end. I'm not, you know, maybe they lose, but I think they cover. Like, you know, I'm not ready to say Oral Roberts wins on the money line with Bano, but I think they could lose this game by seven or something like that. 
Yeah, and they had a good first half against Florida. This could be one of those games because Arkansas is just an offensive machine, and if they have a slow start and they get it going in the second half, they could pull away and cover. Maybe you split it up between oral first half, oral full game, you know, if you want to be a little bit more uh, safe in, in case maybe they run out of steam in the second half. I'm not sure that's the case. But personally, I'd like the full game because you always have the back door. If Arkansas is up by double digits, you know Oral Roberts can get through it with the inside-outside scoring ability that this team possesses. They're one of the elite free-throw shooting teams, over 80% as a team. That matters in this point spread range as well. Oral Roberts knocks down their free throws. That's significant when you're talking about an underdog catching 11, 11 and a half points in this price range. What do you think about Syracuse and Houston sitting uh, sitting at six? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a tough game. It's a t- tough, tough game. Point spread feels a little high to me. Even though I'm a big Houston believer, point spread feels a little high to me, Babano. Yeah, as of right now, this is maybe my favorite play of the weekend at Syracuse. Uh, I was on Syracuse both games against San Diego State and West Virginia. They're dangerous. They've clearly shown that. And whatever Syracuse was in November, December, and January, it's what the full season uh, results dictated them being priced at. They, they can't be priced that way right now. They're surging. Their defense has come alive. Their zone. Uh, people always say, how do these people not know what the zone is and how to beat it. Well, maybe it's just Syracuse is executing the zone defense now at a higher level than they did earlier in the season. That's the way I see it. The concern for Syracuse is rebounding. They're not good uh, in terms of being a rebounding team. They're one of the worst, actually. Houston's one of the best in the country. But that may not matter. You don't have to worry about rebounding misses when you're not missing and you're shooting a great percentage with the likes of Joe Girard and Buddy Bayheim, who are just lighting it up from the perimeter. You don't have to worry about rebounding quite as much when those three balls are going down. We don't know how healthy Dejon Giroux is going to be in this game for Houston without him. You know, Grimes and Sasser, in my opinion, were only okay in sneaking past and escaping Rutgers uh, over the weekend. So that's a concern as well for me with Houston. And look, Houston feasted on, a, on an AAC conference that didn't really test them down the stretch. They played you know, a lot of the mediocre to weaker teams in that conference down the stretch. They're facing now teams that are going to punch them back a little bit. They had to scrap and claw just to get past Rutgers. I think they're going to have to scratch and claw Gabe just to get past Syracuse here. And I think Syracuse is possible to win the game, but I'll gladly take 6-6.5 six, six with this Syracuse team right now. Yeah, you look at this game, and it feels like it's going to come down to the wire, One, even if you didn't know the point spread, and now you find out you're getting six points, um, then, then it makes it attractive. Uh, Gonzaga lays 13.5. Listen, I'm surprised. I thought some of these numbers would move. They're really the only line move through the week, guys, has really been uh, Baylor was 6.5 and moved to 7. Oral Roberts in Arkansas, it was 11. It kind of sitting at 11 and a half, though. Syracuse and Houston have been locked in at six. Um, Creighton and Gonzaga, 13 and a half. Michigan was three. I thought it would go up. It's come down to two. Um, and the USC one moved. And you know what? Alabama was actually five and a half and it's six and a half. So they're moving a bit, like a point, half a point, and a point and stuff. I don't, you know what? I think Gonzaga's going to roll Creighton, bro. They've won 25 games in a row by double digits. So, unless you think they're only going to win by 13, then good luck getting in front of them. Totals 158 in that game. We've only got about four minutes, but bad. So, you got that game. Michigan's down to two. I love the fact that the number's coming down and everybody loves Florida State here. Um, I actually played Michigan at three. 
And then I got the feeling, I was like, everyone's picking Florida State, and this number's not going down. And then I saw it drop to two and a half uh, at some spots, and I still had a chance to bail Babano, so I did. (laughs) I was like, I'm out. I jumped out. No, but I'm jumping back in after, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Why lay three if I don't have to? I was like, if I can still get all my money back, I'll jump out. So I did, and now the money line's down to 142. I'm not saying it's going to be Michigan fan. Michigan is going to win this game. UCLA, Alabama get six and a half now. And then that duck game, wow, with USC. These guys just played like a month ago or whatever, and USC smoked them. They were up like 24-2 or something. We were on the air when the game was going on. What do you make about the rest of the card here, Babano? So it's a Gonzaga and Overlean for me in the first game with Creighton. I know Creighton. Creighton, I won against them with Santa Barbara, and I had a bad call against them with Ohio. Uh, they just they did one of those games were uncharacteristic for Creighton. They had multiple guys knocking down big shots for them. I don't know if that's going to continue against Gonzaga. They better hope it is because that's their one chance to cover. They're not their defense ain't stopping Gonzaga. Not the way they're executing offensive basketball right now. So I lean Gonzaga and over there. I, I lean Michigan as well. I mean, I think Michigan could get knocked off in the Elite Eight, but I don't know if it's going to, especially if they play Bama, I don't know if it's going to happen here in, against Florida State. I still think the lack of a good point guard for Florida State is going to show up. It didn't against Colorado, and Colorado kind of got exposed in that game. I think Michigan wins that one. UCLA-Alabama, I'm not stepping in Alabama's way, but I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due to UCLA. They've had one hell of a tournament so far. Nick Cronin's team beating Michigan State, uh, beating up obviously uh, on Abilene Christian uh, as well uh, over the weekend. Who came back down to earth after beating Texas? You know, it's a team play. A lot of BYU. I mean, they're rolling right now. But I'm I like Alabama. I think they've still got another uh, win in them. I don't know if I'm going to lay it, but I lean Alabama. And the last game, I'm an Oregon Duck believer. Gabe quack quack. Uh, with this Ducks team, I was uh, that was a very strong play for me against Iowa, uh, taking the points with Oregon. Uh, Dane Altman in March, what can you say? He's great. Richardson, Figueroa, Duarte, they get revenge, and I think they beat USC. Well done, Babano. Well done. I agree with you. Ian Cameron, follow him on Twitter at Babano. Bring it. Come on. Admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? (laughs) You do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the source of live odds, line, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. The Late Night Anger Management. 
Matchbook Class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Lorenz. We're kicking it Sirius XM Channel 204 Sports Grid Radio Networks. Let's talk March of Madness, past, present, and the future. Let's bring in ESPN's John Gassaway and also the author of Miracles on the Hardwood. John, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a great time of year. It really is. It's What a fun tournament it's been, hasn't it? I mean, the, the highest seeds uh, since, what, like 1989 or so, upset Central. They don't call it March Madness for nothing, huh, John? <laughs> right. This is the highest seeds we've ever seen in a Sweet 16. And what that means for your bracket is, although, you know, your bracket is way worse than it was two years ago when everything was fairly predictable, you might be okay because everybody else's bracket is wrecked too. So uh, keep hope alive. That's a very good point. <laughs> I like the optimist. <laughs> I like that. The optimism. So not only is it, um, you know, we have the highest seeds when you add up all the seeds, guys, and the teams that are left standing right now. But I've noticed this as well. We've had a lot of fun just looking at the universities. We had a fun poll question last night, John. If you had a redo, which school would you go to out of the 16 remaining schools? Florida State and USC were the front runners. Everybody loves uh, sun and fun, but it's a pretty religious Sweet 16 too, isn't it? And as you wrote, you wrote on your Twitter, great Twitter follow, is this the second most Catholic Sweet 16 ever? It is. It's got four Catholic teams, Villanova, Creighton, Loyola, Chicago, and Gonzaga, and uh, that's tied for the second most Catholic Sweet 16 ever. Way back in 1985, they did have five teams, but this is about as Catholic as you get, and three of those schools would be quick to point out that they're Jesuits, so it's, it's yeah. a good year even for the for the Jesuits. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about the Oral Roberts Pledge, and uh, we're like, yeah, like a lot of us might have a hard time not getting, I don't know, kicked off the campus and kicked out of school, but I, I pointed out to you, I'm like, man, also, pretty serious academics, too, these schools left. If you look at it, like, we were going over it on our show last night, like, every one of these schools is a damn good school, too. Right, yeah, I think that uh, the respondents in your poll were definitely influenced by weather, but uh, there's some there's some heavyweight academic uh, institutions here as well, so you, you can't go wrong either way. Yeah, we were swayed by weather and looks. So I want to ask you about Oral Roberts. So I know you're a great college basketball historian. Real fun team watching this team. The style that they play, and they're not Loyola Marymount, right? Loyola Marymount were run and no. gun, and, you know, you write about them in your book, and I want to get to that in a couple of moments. But, you know, there's just sort of that, you know, you got Aismas. Hank Gathers was the leading scorer. You know, O'Banner has stepped up. It, it just sort of has that little feel to me. And in the modern era, when you consider how the game is played, they actually do play pretty fast, right? I mean, all the threes that they take, 46% of their three-point shots that they take. What do you think about this Oral Roberts story as a team, and how do you think they match up with Arkansas? Yeah, they've got a good one-two punch, and that's why they've made it this far. Max, it's not just Max Aismas, and if it were, they might be in trouble. He plays an incredible percentage of the minutes. He's always on the floor, but he's amazingly efficient, and he, he hits his shots from both sides of the arc, which is impressive from a guy six foot one that he does as well on twos as he does. I don't necessarily like the matchup with Arkansas. The Razorbacks have already beaten Oral Roberts once this year, and if there's a style of team that's you know going to get nervous and, and show some flop sweat, play a little bit tight against you know historically successful number 15 seed, I don't think it's Arkansas. They're more of a run-and-gun kind of outfit. They'll just fast-break their way out of any nervousness, and I do like the Hogs' chances in this one, but I've got to add, after everything we've seen over the first two rounds. <laughs> I, I'm taking, taking everything anybody says, including yours truly, with a grain of salt. It's just been an amazing tournament. Yeah, don't worry, John. I look like an idiot. I told, well, not 
yet fully, but I told people before the tournament, if you're looking for Cinderella, go rent the movie. It doesn't happen. Only one seed win this <laughs> tournament. Only one, two, or three seeds win. But hey, in the end, in the end, we'll see what happens as far as who wins. But man, it's been wild. So let me ask you, John, how the heck did Loyola Chicago lose four games this year? <laughs> Watching these guys yeah, play? I'm like, how does anyone that beat these the guys? <laughs> that was the point I made on, on social media after they looked like you know UCLA in 1973 against Illinois. I made the point, Indiana State has to be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe anybody beat this team. I actually watched the game uh, where where Drake beat them, and that was that was a nail biter. Uh, so did I. Yeah. Second game. That was the second game of a two game set where Loyola Chicago had easily won the first game. So full full credit to Drake, but they are looking like a different team now. Speaking of the Ramblers, they absolutely prevented Illinois from doing anything that the Illini wanted to do on offense in the first half of that game. In the second half, Loyola Chicago came out and looked fantastic on offense. Cameron Crutwig is getting a lot of internet love for his looks and just an ordinary guy visually maybe but uh, he asked Illinois about uh, how, how effective he is as a basketball player. He got it done at both ends of the floor. He's, he's got polished post moves on offense and on defense he, he stripped Io DeSumo clean yeah. in the open floor. So you know if you can do that against an All-American guard you, you've got my respect and attention and this is not a team to be taken lightly. In fact, you know they're the higher seed in their next game so they've got an outstanding chance to uh, play their way to a, a second Final Four here in three years. John Gassaway with us on uh, Sirius XM Channel 204. I love kids like that. I just love, I love like Timmy and the look. Have fun with this, right? Some people get uptight. Oh, these kids, what does it take? It's like, no, I love it. Have fun. You know, it's, it's a once, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. And you know what impressed me a lot with Chicago too is the Norris kid. Just the smart decisions that he makes. You know, hits, hits a couple of big shots from the outside. And how about the committee? We can talk about our brackets, but I mean, the high, how are Loyola Chicago an eight seed? I mean, John, what about the seeds? In hindsight, it's easy to say now, but these seeds, I mean, th- this is not a good look for the committee when it's all said and done. Right. Uh, what the committee would say is that uh, Loyola Chicago took uh, swings at the big names uh, for, for good wins during the season, and they missed. And specifically, it was Wisconsin and Richmond, and they lost both those games. So that's what the committee uh, looks at. I, I will say, having you know researched decades and decades of, of college basketball for, for a book, the committee and the NCAA, they do get better over time, and they're better now than they've ever been. And if this were 10 or 15 years ago, Loyola Chicago would have been even more, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, even, right. <laughs> uh, more extremely. So this, they will learn from this, they'll get better, and we will get there, and Loyola Chicago will be seated correctly someday soon. So you mentioned UCLA, and uh, obviously nobody's ever going to match uh, what the great John Wooden uh, did and what UCLA accomplished before. But, and I don't like hypotheticals, but as far as Gonzaga is concerned, I mean, this is an historic run that they're on right now. They're getting close to the finish line. If they do pull it off, are they the greatest team of all time? Like, you know, and at least in like modern history, not as the body of work, but best season of all time. You know, if they run through, run through the tournament, they had eight quality wins earlier in the year. And I wanted to throw this in at you too, John. And I brought this up last night. How much of a feather in a cap would it be for the West Coast Conference to get Pepperdine to win the CBI and Gonzaga to win the, the NCAA tournament? <laughs> 
How cool would that be? Multiple yeah. teams in your in your conference winning their last game. That's that's hard to do. So full credit to the West Coast Conference. The amazing thing among many amazing things about Gonzaga is they've done this while remaining and speaking of this, all of their success over the last twenty years and particularly over the last five, where we just yawn and say, Oh, they're they're one seed again. That's amazing. And they've done it all as a member of the West Coast Conference. In the past we've seen teams like Butler, UConn, you know, Baylor achieve, you know, tremendous results in, in upward mobility, but they've done it by joining better conferences. Gonzaga has rewritten that book. They've stayed in the West Coast Conference under its various names since 1979 when they came to the league from the big sky. And Mark Few can tell you exactly the players that he thinks he's lost as recruits over the years because they're in the West Coast Conference. But now they go toe-to-toe with, you know, the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world, and they get Jalen Suggs, you know, no problem. One-and-done uh, talent. It, it's just an amazing story, and certainly if they win the national title and have a perfect record, yes, that is the best season that any team has recorded since Indiana in 1976. It, it will be amazing to watch them try and pull that off. The, the stakes couldn't be higher, and, and I love it as a fan. John Gasway, all right, John, before we get you out of here, I want to uh, talk about your book, Miracles on the Hardwood. And, you know, it's been, there have been a couple of high-scoring games. It was earlier in the week. It might have been the Oral Roberts game or there was a track meet going on in the first half, and people were like, oh, my God. Like, they were on pace to score, like, 200 points at one point. I said, guys, this is nothing. This is like Pete Carroll's Princeton next to Loyola Marymount in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm a Michigan fan, uh, John. I'm a Michigan fan, so I remember it like it was yesterday, the defending national champion. Champions. And I don't know if it was Loy Vaught and, you know, Ramil was gone and Glenn Robinson was gone, but I don't know if it was Mark Hughes or Loy Vaught. Somebody was back from the championship team said, if these guys want to run, we'll run. We're the national champions. They're, they're not going to like running with us. Yeah, that didn't last uh, very long. But what a magical game that was in Long Beach. Bo Kimball hits the free throw left-handed. I know that's one of many great memories that's in the book. So tell us about, must have been hard for some of these stories to make the cut, but tell us about the book and quickly about your memories of that Loyola Marymount Michigan game. That was a remarkable game 31 years ago. Loyola Marymount set records that still stand for an NCAA tournament game for points, for threes by a team, and for threes by a player. Uh, Jeff Fryer hit 11 threes himself. Carson Edwards came close to tying that a couple of years ago against Virginia. But Loyola Marymount won that game by 34 points. So they won 149 to 115. And it caused a sensation, as you would expect and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight that year where they lost to eventual national champion UNLV. But it was a historic and legendary run by a school that hadn't done much before and it's really deserving of the chapter it gets in the book. And it's just one of, of many stories that I tried to tell as, as well as I could, but, but that one was truly amazing. And if anybody on their way to get my book uh, is, is waiting for it to arrive, there's an excellent uh, ESPN 30 for 30 about it called Guru of Go and I highly recommend that as well. Oh, you're exactly right. For for younger people that are tuning in right now, you're wondering, well, 31 years ago, the Loyola Marymount story was an emotional one due to the leading scorer in the country, Hank Gathers, had passed away you know, about a month earlier to, to the tournament and playing in Los Angeles against Michigan. It's just so dramatic. I got goosebumps now. And uh, I remember the night Hank passed and I'm actually going to get choked up. I was living in LA, John, and it's one of, you know, it's one, it's just one of the 
weird sports memories that I have, but I was at the LA Sports Arena, NBA opening night, Sacramento Kings, LA Clippers, and both, God, they were both terrible, bro. But Bo Kimball, he was a rookie. And remember, like, and people in LA, you got to draft Bo Kimball. You got to draft Bo Kimball, right? And then Bo sort of got drafted instead of Hank. You know, just a crazy story, wasn't it? It was a crazy story. And there were a lot of fingers pointed, frankly. It wasn't all pretty at the time. And charges and lawsuits yeah, yeah. Uh, flew about who was responsible for this. But on the 30th anniversary uh, last year, there was a statue unveiled uh, to Hank Gathers outside of Gerson Pavilion on the on the campus of Loyola Marymount. And the actual ceremony was held just in time so that the pandemic hadn't happened yet. So there was still a public ceremony held. And uh, it was a nice moment. And everybody seems to have come out in, in a really good place. And Paul Westhead was a mad genius with his system. And it was a tremendously entertaining brand of basketball, I have to say. All right, Joe, we'll get you out of here. I've uh, I've got Gonzaga getting it done against Baylor. That's what I had uh, in my bracket before. He's, even as a Michigan fan, so it pains wow. me. But I've got Gonzaga and Baylor playing in the title. Uh, is Gonzaga going to run the table, in your opinion? Good for you. Your bracket sounds like it's in okay shape. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do think that Gonzaga is going to get it done. They've got the best shot of any team because uh, they are tremendous on offense and good enough on defense. I will say, if you're going to beat the Bulldogs, make your shots. If they're just uh, grabbing your misses off the rim and, and starting in transition, you're, you're toast right there. Make your shots. Make them take the ball out of the basket, and then maybe we can talk. But otherwise, uh, they're going all the way. Miracles on the hardwood. Buy it now. Great basketball stories and memories. Thanks for the time, John. Thanks for having me. We should come with a warning label. Caution. 24-hour sports talk. May cause mild addiction. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Believe it or not, you can listen too much to us. I mean, it's possible. Get to know your family again. Did you know your wife cries herself to sleep every night? That's what she told us. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Three-minute warning. Great stuff with uh, John Gasaway, ESPN. Miracles on the hardwood. Fascinating read. Uh, we look forward to uh, going through it all. Uh, just the excerpts that we uh, we read. Just great stuff if you're into college basketball and history and stuff. And Listen, I'm always surprised about how people don't know things about happened before. Because um, I know what happened. You know what I mean? I wasn't alive when the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Boys of Summer got it done. But I know. I know the story. <laughs> like, You know what I'm saying? So it always fascinates me. But... So I know, and I know a lot of people just don't care. I mean, people are self-involved. They care about their bat or this or that. They don't care about anything. But for people that do, as we talked about, it's the anniversary. Listen, it's one of the best 30 for 30s out there, the, the Hank Gathers story. Hank Gathers was the leading scorer in college basketball, but he had a bad heart. He had heart uh, problems, irregular heartbeat. 
then he collapsed a couple of times, except uh, he died live on TV, guys, during a college basketball game. And he was going to be like a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. And like his, he was like his life dream was to make it to the NBA. And he was a leading scorer uh, in the country. And he, he had a heart attack in center court, man. I'll never forget that. I was watching the news. I was living in L.A. waiting for like Sanford and Son to come on. And there were like tragic news from like the arena. Uh, but they beat they beat Michigan. They beat Michigan. <laughs> All right. They, they put 149 points. They put 149 points up on the Michigan Wolverines. Think about that, guys. A call, like NBA teams don't score that. Right, like 149, that's like insanity. And they did it in 40 minutes against the national champions. Michigan were the national champions. Loyola Marymount average, guys, in 1990, they averaged 122.4 points per game. For the record, the Brooklyn Nets are the highest scoring team in the NBA. They score 120 points. These guys scored 122 points in 40 minutes a night. <laughs> it was an onslaught. It was an onslaught. <laughs> the late night anger management class continues. Bring it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.